This morning, I want to talk about leading with a laundry list. Leading with a laundry list. By laundry list, it's a colloquialism that simply means things you, that needs to be washed, a lot of things to do, a long list of things that you need to take care of, a long list of things that are probably mundane and uncomfortable, a lot of things, a, a long list of things that need to be improved, that need to be uh, fixed, that need to be addressed, that needs to be purged. The reason why we're taking this topic is because the foundation of leadership is understanding, uh, you and I understanding that there are no perfect leaders. There is something that exists in our minds sometimes that tell us that if you have a position, if you have a title, particularly in the church, it means you have to, there must be some perfection. Here's my first point. I'm getting right into my points because I told you I don't want to keep you long. God, watch this, out of all of his leaders and even uh, leadership in your own life, he does not, watch this, he does not expect flawlessness, but he does expect faithfulness. You, we have to understand that it's too late for us to be flawless. As soon as we were born as a result of our mother and father, we were flawed. Through Adam, we were flawed. When Adam sinned, it made us flawed. We're sinful. There is a propensity in us. There is a natural gravitation for us to do the wrong thing. Your children don't have to be taught how to do wrong. You got to teach them how to do right. I see you with baby, and that's good, and babies are cute, and you love them. But the older they get is the more challenging they get. And you start asking yourself, where did they learn that? It is embedded in our Adam nature that we are flawed, that we are prone to sin. We are prone to mess up. So it is too late for anybody in here to be flawless. As a matter of fact, Bible, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we look at the life of Moses, we understand that Moses was a very flawed man. He had a laundry list of things. He was, watch this, the greatest leader in the Old Testament. He's called the lawgiver. He's referred to, out of all the people in the Old Testament, he's referred to the most in the New Testament. He was the testator and the one who delivered the law of God. As a matter of fact, Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 3, the Bible says Moses was the most humble man in all the world. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is Scripture not only gives us the people's success and the hero's success, but it gives the laundry list so that we don't think these are superhero people. Moses was a man just like I'm a man. Moses was a person like you were a person. Yes, he did great things. Yes, he was the lawgiver. Yes, he was the one that got the law. He, yes, he was the one that led God used to lead the children of Israel through the Red Sea. But Moses was very flawed. He had a laundry list of things that made Watch what that would make someone who was carnal minded think he was not qualified and he had no business leading people. The first thing we see about Moses that many of some of you may not know is that Moses committed murder. Moses doesn't only go with the law, it goes with murder. 
When did he commit murder? If we look in Genesis, in Exodus chapter 2, when you get a chance, and I'm going to move fast, verse 11 through verse 14, he saw, he, he, he started gravitating toward the children of Israel because he was a prince of Egypt. He was really an Israelite that was brought up in the Egyptian home of the Pharaoh. And uh, when he turned 40 years old, according to Acts 7, 23, he was 40 years old around this time. He goes on out, he sees an Egyptian uh, uh, beating up and abusing an Israelite and he looks both ways the text says and when he looks both ways he does that to make sure no one is looking then he kills the Egyptian and he buries his body in the sand now that's some scandal channel 8 channel 4 channel 11 news type stuff for somebody to kill somebody and to bury them in the sand we if that was on our TV today we'd look at it and we say whoa this world is getting Badder and badder, worser and worser. Yeah, we would say, oh, what a world we live in. Oh, Jesus is coming again. Yeah, we would. But let me tell you something. You can never let anybody judge you by one moment in your life. Understand that God doesn't see just one moment. He sees your whole life at the same time. And you might be flawed here. You might fail here. You might falter here. You might commit murder here. You might get a record here. You might get a divorce here you might get in trouble here your kid might go to jail here but God is already down the line that's why when somebody's in their moment you don't treat them like that's always where they're gonna be because God can take a zero and make a hero out of them and the hero that he makes out of them will be the hero that you need to save you Oh my God, here Moses is, he's flawed. He commits murder. He buries the body in the sand. Then he thinks nobody's looking, but he sees two Israelites, two Hebrews going at it. And he says, look, why are you fighting? And they said, you know what, Who, you're not the boss of me. Verse number 14, I'm using this contemporary jargon. You're not the boss of me, who made you, are you gonna kill us? like you did that Egyptian? So where did this put Moses? Here's a point for your life. When God calls you to leadership, and that's leadership on your job, leadership in the school, leadership among your friends, he often screens us and brings us through a point of not belonging. See, some of us get upset and we get huffy and puffy over the fact that we don't have any friends. I, I can't hang with this person. I can't hang with that person. I'm here to tell you that when you lose advocacy, God is going to do something great with you. And the reason why you have to lose advocacy is because you have to get to a point in your life when God is calling you to lead where he is your only advocate. In other words, you got to get to a point what God will do sometimes when he's calling you to leadership is he will, let he will allow you not to fit on that side or on that side so that you can be unbiased when you hear his voice. So that you don't hear him like an Egyptian, you don't hear him like a Hebrew, you hear him like somebody who's broken before him and you only want to tune in to what he's saying in your life. I want to talk to somebody who feel like they don't fit. 
I want to talk to somebody who feel like you don't fit on either side. You, you, you try to get in with this group, but you don't fit in. You try to get in with that group, but you don't fit in. That's the beginning of God. Could be the beginning of God preparing you for a leadership that either group can't handle. And if you found yourself nestled in one group, you may find yourself forfeiting the call to leadership because God needs people who doesn't depend on the left side or the right side, but have gotten to a place in their life where they depend on him and him alone. He lost advocacy. The Egyptians were after him. The Hebrews didn't like him. They turned against him. So he ran. 40 years old, ran to Midian. And if you get a chance to read it, you'll see he gets to Midian and he meets, you know, he meets this girl named Zipporah. She was cute. <laughs> he went and sat by a well, saw this girl at the well. She was getting water. <laughs> and, uh, Went home, told her dad. He started, he was a gentleman. He helped with the water. And what are you, why are you elaborating on this? Because he got his family while he was a refugee. The places we try to keep from going to is where God puts the blessing. And some of us spend our whole lives in our leadership trying to run away from the places that are uncomfortable in life. But I've come to tell you, God has designed some of the most uncomfortable places to give you some of the greatest blessings. Hello. I know it's unseemly for somebody to be on the run and feel like, oh, that's where God put the blessing. But sometimes you need to understand that God doesn't put blessings in obvious places. And if you spend your life trying to run from uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable circumstances and uncomfortable predicaments, and you don't want I can't imagine going there, that might just be where God put the blessing. Here he was on the, on the run in Midian, and he meets his wife. And he gets a father-in-law. Exodus chapter 3. In summation. <laughs> Verse number 1 says something interesting. Now all of us, the first point is you don't have to be flawless, but you must be faithful. Everybody say that. Not flawless, but faithful. Here's the second point. God will use your micro to train you for your macro. Somebody said macro? Did he say something about macaroni? No, that's not what I said. Micro means small. Macro means large. There's a micro level and there's a macro level. Look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. Not going to happen. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now stop right here. Moses was doing what? Pastoring the flock of Jethro. What's interesting is that word pasturing is not pastoring. Pasturing. Simply meaning that Moses was leading sheep into grass to eat. Now watch this. Let me tell you what this required. This required that he be around where the sheep ate. And if you're going to hang around where anybody eats, any animal eats, 
you're also hanging around where the animal gets rid of what they ate. I, I want you to see something. He was pasturing sheep. Number one, the sheep were not his. Here he was leading sheep in grass that were not his. He was stewarding someone else's sheep. What was he working with? He was working with sheep, animals, who are, watch this, instinctively resistant. Sheep are instinctively resistant. Yeah, they are meek, but one of the reasons why a shepherd had what's called a shepherd's staff, and it was a hook on one end, and it was a pointy part on the bottom end, and that was called the gold, is when you couldn't pull sheep, he would turn the staff the other way and poke sheep, because they were sometimes resistant. And so when the sheep wouldn't come with a gentle tug, he would get behind the sheep, turn the staff the other way, which had a pointy end, and stick the sheep and stimulate the sheep with pain. So here he was for 40 years in the wilderness of Midian, pasturing sheep that belonged to his father-in-law. Animals that are instinctively resistant. What was God doing? 40 years is a long time. 40 years is enough time to say, this is how my life is going to look. 40 years is enough time to say, well, this is all there is going to be. This is all there is going to be. I'm not going to do anything great. I'm just going to settle here. 40 years is long enough to think that this is it. But the Bible says that God, and it's going to prove out, that God was using what he was doing on a small scale to prepare him for what he was going to do on a large scale. Do not be dismissive or discouraged if what you're doing is small right now because whatever you're doing on this small scale can be preparation for what God wants you to do on a larger level. So if you can be faithful with little things, Now watch this, now watch this. I want you to imagine with me. Jethro, Moses. Hey Moses, hey, what's going on Pop? What happened with the sheep today? Oh, I led them on the backside of Midian. Okay, they, you feed them? Yeah, I got it. I, I left some extra water back there. Uh, make sure you give them that water. Okay. I was going to give them some, I, I, I found a brook I was going to let them drink. No, no, Moses. This is him and his father-in-law. No, Moses, I left that water, used that water. What is he learning? He's learning submission. You are not ready to lead if you can't submit. The worst leaders are the ones that can't submit to leadership themselves. If you got a leader that does not know how to follow, you have a leader that does not know how to lead. The sensitivity that you will acquire with those following you, you will acquire by you following somebody. Hello? 
This is why we can be sensitive parents because we knew what it was like to be a kid. Or should be. So here for 40 years, 40 years, Jethro said, my sheep, you took care of my sheep, my sheep, my sheep. You look down at verse number seven. After God confronts him, he comes to him in a burning bush. And now my sheep has turned into the phrase, my people. For 40 years, Moses was stewarding and leading, watch this, instinctively resistant animals that did not belong to him in preparation for 40 years of leading, watch this, rebelliously resistant people who didn't belong to him. So you said, what is this for my life? What do you do? What do you do right now? What's your job? Young people, what do you do? Well, I work at Burger King. Here's the thing. Be faithful at what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't dismiss it and say, this is not, oh, this is just what I'm doing in the meantime. You be the best whatever you're doing in the meantime. Because sometimes being the best at what you're doing in the meantime is God setting you up to lead or to be or handle something on a macro level that it only takes training on a micro level to manage. For every year he dealt with sheep, God was getting him ready for a year, every year to deal with his people and to stand before Pharaoh. The problem is, when we don't consider what we do important, we don't pour ourselves into it. Huh, we, we show up late. Huh? On our job, we show up late, leave early, take lunch breaks, that's supposed to be an hour, come back two and a half hours later. I don't like this job. Has anybody ever worked a job you didn't like? I, maybe I should make that present tense. Is anybody working a job you don't like? Amen. And, and, and if you, somebody said amen loud and clear. <laughs> Do the best you can. Yeah. Give it your all in all. Because you know what? I found that if you bring quality to something that's micro, they will sometimes create a macro position to fit your quality. Well, I can't be in management. I'm not qualified. I don't have this and I don't have that. I don't have this degree. It says you have to have three years, so I'm just going to stay right here on this job I don't like and I'm going to halfway do it. You do it and bring so much quality to it that they have to create a position for you because you do so good work that they don't want to leave you right there. So they decide they're going to create a position to put you in. Sister came to me after this morning's worship and said, Brother Hamilton, I appreciate what you said because this happened to me. They created a position on my job. They knew, they saw what I was doing and they were so impressed that they created a position for me to work in and, and, and created a reason to give me more money. Why? Because whatever you do, you do it and even though you're not flawless, be faithful. We need to learn that as minority groups, not to half do something. Oh, I think I need to stay here a little while longer. It shouldn't be that we don't want to get our own people to do something because they're going to halfway do it. Hello? It shouldn't be that we, oh, no, I'm not going to use him. Uh, yeah, he, I might, he might jack me up. Is he suable? Is he suable? 
Do it like your life depends on it. I don't care if it's sweeping the floor. I don't care if it's mopping the floor. I don't care if it's being the cashier at Walmart. I don't care if it's a hostess at a restaurant. You give it your all and God will do the rest and hook you up with the quality job that goes with the quality work that you're doing. So God called Moses when he was around stinky sheep. And he said, Moses, uh, don't get it twisted. Those weren't your sheep. These aren't your people. My people. Here's another principle, and then the lesson is yours. And, I, uh, you know, y'all yeah, just wipe that clean. Yeah. I'll explain that. To, I told the preachers I'll be done by 1215. And they said, I didn't bet money, though. Let me show you something. Not only this, but finally, leadership. God-centered leadership should always remind you that you are not adequate. There you go. We live in a world that teaches our people to have high self-esteem, and that's the problem. Don't you think that the world has enough self-esteem? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all not, y'all not. See, here, here's the deal. Do you know how much people do out of selfishness? Don't you think we esteem ourselves enough? The world said if you get self-esteem and get confidence, you can do anything. But every time God called a man to lead, you start seeing this sense of inadequacy. Moses, in the text we read, Moses says, who am I? I mean, Lord, what is it about me that I should go to Pharaoh? Now, of course, somebody might say, see, he should have had confidence. No, no, not confidence in himself. Moses was a shepherd. Some of us would have more faith in God if only we had less faith in us. You're missing this. See, we pray, Lord, give me more faith. Yet you're still pumping yourself up. You still have. See, one of the things I like about Scripture is Scripture unveils for the Bible characters what we hide. One of the things we hide is we hide insecurity. Insecurity comes to church every Sunday sits in the pew, sings, dresses up, and it, cl- it hides behind hairdos and makeup and haircuts and suits and humor and laughing and talking and shaking hands. But underneath there, there's some insecurity. There's a sense of insignificance. There's a sense of inadequacy. But what the Holy Spirit does for us in Scripture is the Holy Spirit lets us peek into the insecurities and the inadequacies of the people that God calls to leadership. I am nervous about any leader who feels like he is 100% worthy to lead. That's dangerous. Are you kidding me? Dangerous. Because you start out with the fuel of pride and the fuel of pride will never take you to God's destination. It'll take you to yours. There ought to be something When God calls you from micro to macro, 
And he says, I'm going to take what I've been, where you've been, and I'm going to magnify it. And I'm going to bless you to do it on the next level. There should be something in us, some nervous something that makes us look at us and look at and sum ourselves up as being inadequate. Right. Uh, here's a surprise for you of transparency. I'm nervous every time I get up to preach. Yeah, me? Yeah, I am. Out there, there, and if you watch carefully, I, there are things I do in my nervousness. One of the things I do is I none of your business. That's what I do. Yeah, I'm not giving y'all the keys to knowledge of that. But there ought to be something. And here Moses says, "Who, who am I? And how did God answer that? This is what He didn't say. God didn't say, Moses, you're strong and mighty." He didn't say, Moses, you know what? You're a good man. You know what God said? What did God say? He says, I'm going to be with you. Well, God, I told you, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God didn't even answer the question directly. The question was, who am I? God took the question and answered it in a way away from Moses. Basically telling Moses, it ain't about who you are. <laughs> and then he answers who he is later when Moses says, with that laundry list of insecurity and the laundry list of inadequacy and the laundry list of in insignificance, he says, when I go tell them who sent me, who should I tell them? God says, I am that I am. Moses said, who am I? God says, I'm going to be with you. And then Moses said, who are you? He says, I am. You got it twisted. I'm the I am. Don't worry about who you are. Just focus on who I am. And if you focus on who I am, then who you are will make it because of who I am. Sometimes you have to go with what you got. Turn to somebody and say, sometimes you got to go with what you got. Look at what God says at the close. Look at Judges chapter 6 briefly. Somebody needs this today because you've been focusing on all the things you did not do, all the degrees you don't have. I didn't get to go to school. I didn't get to do this. And I'm not this and that and the other. And God is calling you to leadership. Let me tell you something. Now, see, leadership, uh, there's, there's church leadership and then there's le leadership. When God calls a person to leadership, he never calls a person to leadership so that they can work their own agenda. How do I know if God is calling me to leadership? Well, is your leadership doing what you want? Or is it doing what God wants? If it's doing what God wants, what you want, that may not be God's call. What God has a tendency to do is he will abase you from your leadership so that he can raise you up in his. He did it to Moses. You do know Moses did not start out as a shepherd. He started out as a prince. And through that occurrence of him murdering, God had to let him come down. Because when man elevates you, man can de-elevate you. And my brothers and my sisters, this is going to bless somebody's life. Don't think everybody is in your corner. There are some people who are waiting to see you humbled. Oh. 
no, no. Your humility is not enough. They want in when it comes to humbling you. So you better walk with God because God can protect you and humble you at the same time. Oh, my God. So watch this. Watch. We're going to look at Gideon, right? Judges chapter 6, verse number 14. What does the Bible say? And the Lord looked at him and said. Well, let's start with verse number 12. We got, we got time. I already, I'm already past my. Forget those preachers. Go, let's go. And the angel of the Lord <laughs> appeared to him and said to him. And said what? The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. The Lord is with you. Now watch this. God is saying something to Gideon through the angel that Gideon doesn't believe about himself. There should be a sense of awe about what God says about us that's so incongruent with what we think about us. There's one thing that irritates me. Nothing irritates me more about than giving somebody a compliment, and every compliment I give, they say, I know. Mm. <laughs> I don't like being around people like that. Man, that, you, that, that's very wise. Yeah, I know I'm wise. <laughs> Man, that looks nice. Yeah, I know. Oh, y'all laughing because everybody knows somebody like that. That was really intelligent what you said. Yeah, I know. Congratulations on school. You just breezed through it. Yeah, I know. And if we're irritated by that, imagine how God, the all-knowing God feels when we tell him how much we know. The God that knew us before we got here. There ought to be something in you that is awestruck when God tells you something that is incongruent with what you feel about yourself. God calls us something that's incongruent. How many of you are saved? So I'm preaching to half a congregation of saved folk. (laughs) Do you know why you were hesitant? Do you know why you were hesitant? There are two reasons you could have known you were, you were hesitant. One, you really don't know. The other is you know how you are. And it doesn't fit the title saying. How many of you are sanctified? A little more, but not everybody. You think about what you did at the club last night. And in church talking about you did not create me to work. He didn't create you to dance and freak either. But anyway, so when you hear, are you sanctified? Mm. But God calls you that now. Ooh, God. God calls you that now, sends his spirit into your heart to make you what he calls you right now. And he does that with every leader. He told Moses, he said, go ahead, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. He says, who am I? He says, I'm going to be with you. He tells Gideon, you are a valiant man. What? No. What you're saying about me, God, doesn't fit what I know about me. God says, you're sanctified. Brother Preacher, I hear you. But I need to talk to you after because I didn't do some sanctified things this week. Do you think God knew when he called you sanctified that you were flawed? He knew that. 
He's not even calling you to be flawless. He's calling you to be faithful. And sometimes God will say, go with what you got. Look at Judges. Let's start with verse number 12. Read it quickly because dinner depends on your And strength. the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him. Said to him what? The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. The Lord is with you, O valiant one. What you going to call me that for? I'm, uh, here he is hiding. He's being called valiant. Read. Then Gideon said to him. What did he say? Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. If this is with us. If, uh-huh. if the Lord, if the is, Lord with is with us, us, read. Why then has all this happened to us? I'm not feeling that right now. Lord, I know you're saying it. But God, number one, didn't say he was with them. He said he was with you. Oh, my God, if I had time, I'd tell you, stop being ashamed to personalize what God is doing in your life. He ain't doing it for everybody. He ain't doing the same thing for everybody. Stop saying us when it's you. Hey, amen. Some of us are nervous about God's goodness in our life, and we're so nervous about what other people are going to think that we'll say, God is blessing me. And you say, oh, well, God is blessing really all of us. Don't worry about it. If somebody got hateration in their heart because you see what God is doing for you, that's, that's God's problem. That's their, that's their issue. God, is, God can call you like he's not calling other people. Right. He said, I'm with you. You, me. All of us, right? right? No, no. I'm talking to you. What do you do when God says, I'm talking to you? Mm. So he says, well, well look, look, look at what's going on with us. I, I'm not feeling that right now. Read what the text says. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Where are the miracles? About? I don't see the miracles, Lord. I don't, I'm not feeling it. I don't see the miracles that our fathers told us about when you delivered them out see, of Egypt. Read. But now the Lord has abandoned us. Now, and given us unto the land of Midian. Here we are. We are captive. We are not in a place where we are victorious. And you say, valiant? God is, I don't see God. Read. And the Lord looked at him and said. What did he say? Go in this your strength and, and deliver pay Israel. Attention. He said, go in this, in this your, your strength. strength. How many of you feel like you don't have much strength? You don't have much ability. At times you're not adequate. You, you're not enough. God doesn't say go and become enough. Mm. God say, says take your not enough self yeah. and go. And why can I go even though I'm not enough? Look at what the text says. And deliver Israel from the hand of many. You go and go in your strength. He didn't say depend on your strength. He said go in your strength. In other words, you only qualify, have three of the qualifications that the job demands. Go with your three qualifications and apply for it. You get it? Uh, go, well, well, you know, you, you, you haven't been where you are long enough. Uh, and, well, go with your few years and do the app for the position. Why? Read this. Have I not sent you? Number one, I'm not going to send you as a setup for your failure. Mm. Read. And he said unto him, What? Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Uh huh. Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. Now watch what he, he, he's doing what Moses did. Who am I? I'm the least. Who am I? This, this is why I get irritated. 
especially with, uh, with, with our minority groups who, who, who blame being a minority on everything. Right. I didn't get the job. Yeah, my name is Dashquan. I bet if my name was David, I'd have got the job. <laughs> my name is Jamel. Jamel Kawan Hamilton. I bet my name, if my name was John Smith, I'd have got the job. We have embedded self-defeat in our culture. Oh, Frank Smith, I know he got good credit. Because of his name, we kill ourselves. And God, when he said this, was talking to an oppressed people. Oppressed people end up more oppressed by the effects of their oppression. Right. They go from being afflicted by the hand of their enemy to taking the same affliction that their enemy put on them and afflicting themselves with that same affliction. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm on a soapbox. Keep reading. On, I need to get off. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. I'm the baby. I'm, a, I'm the youngest tribe, the smallest tribe, and I'm the baby boy. But the Lord said to him. What did he say? Surely I will be with you. There you go. I will be with you. I know you don't think you're much, but I'm going to be with you. I know you don't have it all, but I'm going to be with you. I know you don't think I'm enough, that you're enough, but I'm going to be with you. It is an insult to have the promise of God's presence and still look at your, still look at your inadequacy and your and in, insignificance. In, in wow. I'm gonna tell you how it's an insult. Uh, every now and then, baby girl, I'll just give an example. Baby girl and I will go somewhere, and uh, she'll say, "Man, I'm I'm real hungry." And I know I know this is manipulation. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is manipulation. Young ladies learn it early. <laughs> uh, uh, Daddy, I, I I'm hung I, I'm I'm hungry. I sure wish I could get something to eat. I'm starving. I'll say, get something to eat. <laughs> Y'all know where this is going, right? Come on, let's get, I'm, okay, I, let's go to the store. We're going to go, where you, what do you want? Well, I really want Burger King, but no, 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 thank you. Passive aggressive, right? No, 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 thank you. I thought you were hungry. I don't have any money. Why is that an insult? You with me. I'm with you. Does it mean anything that I'm here? And I've come to tell you when you get to those places in your life of inadequacy, my question is, does it mean anything that God is with you? Yeah, you're going on an interview, but does it mean something that God is with you? Yes, you got some challenges, but does it mean something that God is with you? Yes, you got to go to the doctor, but does it mean something that is just not you in the waiting room, but God is with you? What does it mean that God is with you? And God said, go with what you got, Gideon. Go in your strength. No, it's not enough, but here's the thing. I am with you. That's like her. The times, times when she said, I only got $2. Come on, let's go. But I can't get much for $2. Come on, let's go. Why? 
No, you can't get too much for $2 at McDonald's nowadays. There was a time. You get a full meal for $2. Some of y'all remember that. I don't. But what is that saying? When your resources and your significance is not enough and God still says go. God is saying whatever you lack, my presence makes the difference. And when you can go in your strength and accept the assignment with your laundry list of insecurities and self denials and lack of significance and inadequacies when you can go depending on God then there's a song we sing and that song we sing is called the victory belongs to him it only belongs to him if you understand that no part of it belongs to you and the best people, the th God loves using people that have every reason to give him the credit. A hammer might be a good hammer. But a broken hammer, a broken bent screwdriver brings glory to the carpenter. You might can say the reason why I was able to do this, I, I just got a grill, Raul. Uh, a few, uh, a couple months ago, yeah. you saw it. You came over. You had, did you like my barbecue? Yes. <laughs> Everybody hear that? Brethren, hear that? <laughs> it was good barbecue. Right? But the reality is, a master barbecue person doesn't need propane. Brothers, come on in here. Ain't no brothers that barbecue. I mean, I mean, I remember back in the day, Pop would use just charcoal. You had to be by it in the heat. You had to watch it. So watch this. If it's the grill, that brings no glory to the person barbecuing. But you take a grill that doesn't work when the propane, propane runs out. If you can still produce a T-bone that's so tender that the knife just slides through it, then that brings glory to the cook instead of the grill. Some of us have been taking the cook's glory trying to be the bomb grill. So God stuck. Watch this. God will call a little charcoal grill named David to go against a propane warrior like Goliath so that when Goliath falls on his back, we know it wasn't the grill. We know it was the God working the grill. And leadership begins, hear me, with understanding that in spite of your laundry list of things that are wrong with you, God still says, go ahead and lead. He still gives you the assignment. Flawed and all. Peter cussed. Peter, he, he 
God, Jesus had to tell them, get behind me, Satan. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, you know what? Peter was a racist. He was prejudiced. Yes, sir. Why would Jesus choose somebody like that on his team? Do you know what happened to Peter after a while? 1 Peter 5, it says, I speak unto you elders. And then he says, who I am also an elder. What? Peter, an elder? The one that cut somebody's ear off? Yeah. Because God has a habit of washing people's laundry in their growth process. So bring your laundry list. It doesn't stop looking at it. You go. You apply. You do it. You strive for it. Don't worry about advocacy. You're lonely. You're supposed to be alone right now. Don't you get it? God is calling you to an assignment that either side can't handle. And if you are having an allegiance to something other than God, you won't be clear about what he wants you to do. Stop complaining. I ain't got no friends. I ain't got, there's nobody to talk to. You know, I need somebody for me. Stop it. Stop it. The person that you're going to be with, the friends that you are, God has designated for you are waiting on the level he's taking you to. You know why? Because if you are ocean bound, your aquarium friends can't handle it. Fresh water friends can't go with you into salt water situations. That's part of your laundry list. So God, is, what is God calling you to do? What are you doing on a micro level? Stop dismissing it. I don't, I'm not doing what I want to do. Young people, you got a little job, and that's how they work. You got a little job. Where do you work at? I work at this place. I work at a bounce house. I work at McDonald's. Uh, my daughter works at a cleaners. I said, you get everything you can. Get everything. No, ask questions because for somebody, that's their destination. For you, this is part of your journey. Because this is micro, because God is going to do something on a macro level that it takes what you're going to learn on this level and it takes faithfulness on this level and you don't have to worry about trying to convince somebody to lie on their reference letter when you were faithful. Say I came every day. Say I was never late. Uh, just don't mention me being late. Don't mention me not coming every day. Don't mention me taking. Just don't do it. Matthew 25, 23 says, if you're faithful in a little, here's the principle. Jesus, God, Jesus says, if you can handle the micro, I'm not just going to give you the macro. I'm going to make you ruler over the macro. But you got to be faithful. Flawed and all, be faithful. Record and all, be faithful. Insecure and all, be faithful. Be faithful. Mountain View, be faithful. Be faithful. Don't dismiss. If you're working a ministry here, be faithful. Show up if nobody else shows up. 
If you got a meeting, have the meeting. If nobody signs up for your ministry, be faithful. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Because if you are going to be what people copy, then you have to be prepared to be copied. Be faithful. Even with your laundry list. Stand to your feet. Give God some glory. I want to talk to you, those of you, maybe you're here and you have not named the name of Jesus. We want to talk with you. We'd like to study with you. Maybe you're here, you're not saved. My question is, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Willing to repent and confess and be baptized? That's the quick version, but if you are interested in knowing what to do, have questions about your salvation, we are going to ask you to come down, have a seat, and one of our prayer warriors will take your request. Maybe you're here and you're visiting and you want, you're looking for a church home. Well, some, you know, I talked to some of you and you say, well, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a church of Christ. I don't care where you're coming from. If this is where you want to resume your discipleship, come on.